You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. If you've paid attention to uh, what we've been talking about for the past couple sessions, you've seen that the authors have a lot to say about life in the church. What they're saying more often than not is that life in the church is difficult. If the life in the church is so difficult, then why not just walk away from it? Why not just find an easier road? That's the question to which we'll turn, and that's the question that John, the apostle, will answer in the book of Revelation. When we look first in Revelation chapter 1, we see this vision of Christ showing up to John, the apostle, on the island of Patmos. The reason why he's there is because the emperor has tried to kill him by boiling him in oil, and after he's not able to be killed, he's sentenced to this deserted island. While there on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, Jesus shows up to him and says, hey, I got something that I need to tell you, and what I need to tell you is a message for the churches, and these churches in particular are the churches of Asia Minor. As we look through the order of them, from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamum to Thyatira and on, they follow in a circle relatively. And so they follow along with the same type of letter structure that's been used over and over again. This is a circular letter. It would have been read first in Ephesus, then passed down the road to Smyrna, and everybody would have read the whole letter. This is beneficial to help understand what is being said here because Ephesus not only receives a letter, but it also knows that what has been spoken to them by this prophecy, by this word from Jesus, is also going to be heard by everybody else. So now they're accountable to it. And this accountability is to the present. And this is super important in interpreting the book of Revelation. Oftentimes when we think of the book, we think of it as this telling of what's going to happen in the future. But the book actually begins in the first three chapters, for sure, talking about the present, saying, if you can't listen to my words now and do what I'm asking you now, then there's no hope for the future. And that speaks truth into our lives today. God says, hey, let me speak to you in this moment. And we want to ask questions of, where's my life going to go? And how's the world going to end? And who am I going to marry? Or whatever questions are the big future questions that we have. And his answer to the churches in Asia Minor, as well as to us, is, hey, I have plans for you right now. Follow the plans I have for you right now. We'll get to the future stuff when we need to get to the future stuff. And to that, let's go ahead and turn to the different messages or points that are made to each one of the churches. Now, I won't go in depth, but each church has a particular message that's being given to them. And in every single one, it's a warning. Hey, you're not doing things the way that you should be doing. Repent, turn around, take another look, go a different way. And if you do, then there's a benefit in this process. In Ephesus, he says, you know what? You've lost your first love. This is common for all of us. We, we were absolutely in love with Jesus the moment that we first stepped into salvation. And now it's just kind of old hat. And so to the church in Ephesus and to us, he would say, hey, you know what? I want to offer you a different way of life. It's not just about the love in the past. I want to offer you love in the present. 
And so what he talks about is he talks about eating from the tree of life. And it's interesting that he uses this example because Ephesus was known for its gardens of worship. And in these gardens of worship, this is where they would go ahead and have tree shrines. This is where they would go ahead and they would worship the gods in these places that life sprung from the ground. And so what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus and any who have left their first love is come back to my garden. Come back to this simple place and I will fill you and I will give you life because I am the source of life itself. In Smyrna, there's a large Jewish population. They've set themselves up as kind of people who are for the empire and that they're well respected within the world that they live. Uh, And the Romans don't have any problem with them, but because they see these Christians as people who are changing the Jewish faith and possibly bringing them problems, they have become the oppressors of the church in Smyrna. What Jesus wants to say to them is he wants to say, hey, I know that you're being persecuted and you're tempted to run away from this. Everybody would. But look up to the skyline. And in Smyrna, if you look up to the skyline, there's, there's this mountain ridge that looks exactly like an ancient crown. And that ancient crown was kind of the symbol for the city that it was they are the city of the crown, that if you, if you do what the authorities want you to do, if you sell out to the man, then you'll be able to have authority and power and resources. And what we're tempted to do is that when we are experiencing persecution, we're tempted to sell out to the man so that we can get our way and that life will be good. And what Jesus' word is to the church in Smyrna and the church to us is, yes, sell out to the man. He is the man, and if you give him your life, then you will rule and reign with him. He will set a crown upon your head, and you will have the right to rule with him in his eternal kingdom. Now, Pergamum is a different place. They're the center of the imperial cult in Asia Minor. They worship the emperor, and if they worship the emperor, then they get the inside track into having positions of authority, to being able to work alongside the king, to have an assured job. They, they're the people who are part of the inside crowd. And what he says to them is, hey, you know what? You're going to be tempted to head and, and make your way on the, into the inside. But this is what I have for those of you who will hold on to me is that I have a hidden manna. I I will sustain you when nobody else seems to be giving you your daily bread. And not only that, but I have a white stone that has a new name written on it. Now, these stones were their ancient invitations. If you were invited to a, a special imperial party, you received this precious stone that had a name that was the kind of the role you played within that party. And these uh, white stones with a new name, what Jesus is saying, and the people who hold on to me, the people who don't look for their daily bread from these secular sources, these are the ones that I'm going to bring into my kingdom, and I have a new role for you. I'll tell you exactly what part you need to play, and you will get to play that in my kingdom forever and forever and forever. Thyatira was known for its bronze foundry. They made a lot of bronze there. And so 
That's why it talks about his feet being like burnished bronze. Jezebel is this false prophet who's promoting Nicolaitan worship. And by this point, we've seen the Nicolaitans over and over again. These are the people who no matter what, we will win. There's never going to be anything bad in our life. These are what we would call today health and wealth gospel preachers. God has only come to bring us good and more good and more good and more good. But what we see is that just like a bronze foundry, we often have to go through the fires of life in order to become the precious people, the precious metal that God wants for us to be. That's tough. But if we don't turn away from the trials, if we don't turn away from the heat, then what's going to happen is that we're going to rise like the morning star in relationship with Jesus. We're going to be established in authority over the nations. If we don't demand health, wealth, and everything good every single moment of every single day, and that if God doesn't do everything right and everything that we ask him, if we can walk through those hard times, that it is going to produce this incredible life that we can't even imagine. Sardis is the center of the Lydian Empire, destroyed by an attack by Cyrus the Great, by the oracles of Delphi. So most of us have heard about this within kind of like our Greek literature and all that kind of stuff. It, it used to be kind of the center of Asia Minor, but it lost everything and it lost it in a moment. They, they seem to be strong, but in a moment of weakness, it showed just how vulnerable they really were. And that's what Jesus wants to say to this church is, hey, you're resting on appearances. You, you look good on the outside, but the inside just, man, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. If you are willing to be honest, if you're willing to be true about your brokenness, I will clothe you in white. I will make you a victor. And I will have, show your name to be written in the book of life. You, you will have a name up on the wall. And that name will be remembered forever as one of the great people who lived and worked in my kingdom. And I am going to do great things in you. And I'm going to do great things through you. To Philippi, they're enduring this persecution. And it's kind of hard now. But he says it's going to get really hard. But I am going to make you like a pillar in my temple. Soon after this prophecy, Philadelphia endures this big, massive earthquake, and it destroys the entire city, except for the temple pillars of the temple that was in Philadelphia. And what they had done on these pillars is that they had written the names of their gods because their gods supported their worship. And this is what Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia— no matter what massive, tumultuous thing can come up in your life, if you will be grounded in me, you can go through present persecution, but no matter how big something can fall apart in the future, I will hold on to you. You will be eternally established in my temple, and you will always have the name of God upon you, and you will stand firm no matter what comes your way. All the letters to the churches, Laodicea is the one that's most known within the church. Uh, it's known because it says that I, I would rather that you were cold or hot, but you're not, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It's also 
the letter that says, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody would open up the door, I'll come in, I'll meet with them, and I'll eat with them, and they will eat with me. Laodicea was known for being kind of at the crossroads. At Hierapolis, which is right down the road, had these hot springs that people would come all the way from throughout the Roman world just to sit in these incredible hot springs and have their aches and pains taken away. Up in the mountains near Colossae is an aqueduct that brought down just fresh mountain water. But by the time it got to Laodicea, the water from Hierapolis had lost all its heat and and the cool, crisp water from Colossae had just become tepid and undrinkable. This image of the Laodicean water is what Jesus wants to say to the church in Laodicea. You're ambivalent. You're just kind of there. And and I, I wish you were something. Be hot. Be cold. Be something. Take away people's pains and aches. Bring refreshing in their life. And if you can let me work in you and pour out the waters of my life into the world around it, then I will allow you to rule and reign with me. You will share my reign. You will sit with me on my throne. This is an incredible promise, and this is an incredible gift. But it is only for those who open the door. Now, a lot of times when we hear this passage, we hear it mentioned of people who don't believe in Jesus. He's standing, knocking at your door, saying, open up the door. I'll come in. I'll, I'll bring good things into your life. That's not the audience. The audience is the church. He's saying there are many in the church who Jesus is knocking on the door saying, hey, I want to come in. I want to be friends with you. I want to live life with you. And we say, eh, I I know what you're all about. I got it all figured out. I'm ambivalent towards you. I'm just kind of just hanging out in Christianity. And Jesus' word to the church in Laodicea and his church throughout all of his letter, his, his words to the churches throughout all of this first section of these three chapters is a message of repentance. Turn to me. If you turn to me in the hard, if you turn to me in the rough, if you turn to me when you feel forgotten, if you turn to me when it seems like there's little life there, I promise you that I will make things new. How new will he make life? That is where we'll turn in the second section of the book of Revelation. Revelation.